Black Americans are excited about Barack Obama's candidacy, but should African Americans place race above their faith in the voting decision? We'll ask the author of a book on this subject. And does Hillary Clinton still pose a challenge for Barack Obama at the upcoming convention? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. People want to follow leaders and they want to have leadership for the country that is hopeful and positive and optimistic. And the tone and tempo and nature of the Republican Party has to uh, make sure we understand that and reflect that and we own it in a genuine way. He's been called a Republican reformer, and he is definitely on the short list for John McCain's choice for vice president. But the Veep Stakes uh, still has a lot of names uh, that are still coming up, and uh, we are really not too close to knowing uh, where John McCain is going on this issue. That was Governor Tim Pawlenty of Minnesota. And uh, he is on the short list. The Wall Street Journal said today that Tim Pawlenty of Minnesota is a conservative on most issues. He has twice won the governorship of a liberal swing state. Uh, It also says he's as confused as Mr. McCain on global warming, but he seems to have more principles than uh, Governor Christ of Florida. And uh, so they are kind of high on Tim Pawlenty, saying that he does actually please social conservatives. Apparently, he converted from Catholic to evangelical. Here is Governor Pawlenty saying that the Republican Party, um, actually, uh, that uh, he was asked at the National Press Club to contrast Barack Obama with John McCain. And when he uh, answered this, he actually talked about life sermons. Again, the best sermons are not preached, they are lived. Uh, We are all products of our life experiences. Senator McCain's life experiences are epic, they are legendary, they are a life story, not a life oratory, but a life story, a record of courage, valor, patriotism, service, country first, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, That stands in contrast uh, to Senator Obama, and I mean no disrespect, but it is simply a matter of fact that Less than four years ago, he was a state legislator. Um, you know, his oratory is one of, we're going to do big, uh, tackle big uh, national issues. If you look at his record, there's not one issue of major national concern that he has led the effort on. One of his recent ads said, well, he reached across the aisle to Senator Luger in an effort to round up loose nukes. Well, who's against rounding up loose nukes? 
I mean, how much courage did that take? I mean, how much political fuel do you have to burn to get bipartisan consensus to round up loose nuclear weapons? The experience factor. Barack Obama needs to choose someone that makes up for his deficit in that area. Now, this same piece in the Wall Street Journal says it's really a good idea for John McCain to do the same thing because of his age. In fact, they say we advise Mr. McCain to make his choice mainly on experience. Uh, because at his age, he could be a one-termer. This means choosing someone who voters think has the stature to be president from the outset. Could that be Mr. Pawlenty? Uh, and also doesn't give up Mr. McCain's clear experience edge over Mr. Obama. So they say that that rules out uh, one that uh, social conservatives love, which is Bobby Jindal of Louisiana, and also Alaska's Sarah Palin, who's also fairly young, but she's also a reformer. Also, uh, they say that uh, probably should not nominate eBay's Meg Whitman, who's been part of this campaign, or Federal Express's Fred Smith. Uh, But really, somebody should uh, excite the conservatives. Uh, Jeb Bush would do that, but he's got the wrong last name, says the journal. Governor Christ, uh, probably not a good choice because he's made so many sort of flip-flops and is seen as as a political opportunist. And Fred Thompson might be good, but uh, he'd also be a very good attorney general if Mr. McCain wins. So they're saying Tim Pawlenty might be good. Also, South Carolina's uh, Governor Mark Sanford is um, one who pleases Uh, social conservatives. Uh, In the end, though, that they say that there is no miracle choice for John McCain that would be, or we'd know by now. So we're still waiting, and if you've got a choice for John McCain that you think is the best, give us a call at 800-881-9270. Here again is Governor Pawlenty of Minnesota saying, and again, let's remember, he is a Republican reformer. Uh, He likes Ronald Reagan, but he says uh, Reagan is still a Republican icon, but you've got to remember that there are a lot of young voters. I admire him greatly, but we also as a party have to remember Ronald Reagan was a president a long time ago. And so if you're younger than me, the memories of Reagan are not particularly fresh. The Clintons are in the news today, and uh, this ties in with our main topic of the program today. Bill Clinton, uh, this is a while ago, was asked uh, during an ABC News interview if he alienated some black supporters of Hillary Clinton during the campaign by some of the things that he said about Barack Obama. Here's his response. But I am not a racist. I never made a racist comment, and I didn't attack him personally. Certainly the race card has been played and played and pulled and pulled again and again during both the primary and now during the general election. Uh, Maybe we could put it aside a little bit, though, and say that the fact that there is a black candidate running for president actually does mean something. And uh, black Americans are certainly happy about it. And white Americans also think that this shows progress. But black American uh, evangelicals really have a choice. Does race trump faith and moral values on the important issues that are addressed in the Bible? Or does your faith inform your decisions for the presidency, even though you're very excited that there is a black candidate and the possibility of a black president. Blacks need to look at this. Whites need to look at this, too. And Kimberly Cash Tate uh, is going to join us to talk about this. She's a writer and an attorney, uh, and she is also black, and she's written a book called More Christian Than African American. We're going to talk with her a little bit later in the program. Well, Hillary Clinton, as I said, is in the news. And, you know, the question is, she still holds uh, convention bargaining chips because she's still holding her delegates. 18 million people voted 
candidate for her, and she's got uh, almost as many delegates as Barack Obama. Some Democrats are suggesting uh, that Hillary may not have surrendered all her her leverage, all of her bargaining chips for the convention coming up in Denver. At a California fundraiser, a supporter asked whether she would still consider putting her name into the nomination. I happen to believe that we will come out stronger if people feel that their voices were heard and their views were respected. I think that is a very big part of how we actually come out unified. Um, because I know from just what I'm hearing that uh, there's just a, this incredible pent-up uh, uh, desire. And I, and I think that you know people want to feel like, okay, it's a catharsis, we're here, we did it, and then everybody get behind Senator Obama. I mean, I... That is uh, doesn't you know, work that way. That is what most people believe is the best way to go. No decisions have been made, and so we are, you know, trying to work all this through with the DNC and with the Obama campaign. So is that a sharp left turn, no pun intended, uh, that people who were supporting Hillary Clinton would now uh, continue to support her, even though Obama is the presumptive nominee, or go to him? I think most people have slowly moved out of their emotional ties to Hillary Clinton, but maybe not. And I don't know what her strategy is here. What do you think her strategy is? Uh, Is she bargaining for possibly something, a uh, good speaking slot uh, at the... uh, at the convention, or is she just honoring her supporters and, and, as she said, strengthening really Barack Obama by keeping the party unified in some way? I'm really not sure what her strategy is. Barack Obama, though, doesn't seem too worried about it. In fact, on board his campaign plane, he says he's really looking forward to a very smooth convention in Denver, no fights. He's dismissing any suggestions that uh, Hillary could uh, bring divisiveness. We're still working out the mechanics uh, of the four days. And our staffs are in communication with Senator Clinton's staffs, but I don't anticipate any problems. She's not totally ruling out being nominated. She is not submitting the signed request that she be nominated, though. She's hedging her bets. What do you think this is all about? Give us a call, 800-881-9270, on this issue and also on who John McCain should nominate for vice president. Let's go to Frank in Little Elm. Frank, thanks for calling in. Hi, Ben. It's good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. I. You know, I, I honestly don't think either of these two choices John McCain would pick, but I still like Tom Pantrado from Colorado, and I very much like Sam Brownback from Kansas, both of which, both of whom are very strongly pro-life. I think in, you know, John McCain's got some issues on, you know, uh, you know, on fetal tissue research and all of that, which, you know, has kind of hurt him with conservatives. I think getting a really true conservative pro-life uh, vice presidential pick would rally the troops around John McCain and probably bring more evangelicals uh, into a passion for the election. And that's kind of my theory on it. I'm, I'm concerned about someone like Duncan Hunter, though. He's strong in immigration and the border. I, I don't know. I think he would be, you know, him and John McCain would kind of be like, well, just two pro-military guys. And I think that would hurt McCain because everybody likes him as a, as a military hero, but we don't want a purely, you know, military-focused presidency. You know, you brought up some good names, Frank, and I'm looking at several articles. I've got three of them here, uh, one of them by Michael Isakoff from Newsweek, another one by Will, Bill Crystal in the New York Times. He writes for the Weekly Standard. And then this Wall Street Journal piece, I don't see any of the ones that you brought up named, and it's a little bit surprising because they ran for president. Uh, Mitt Romney, of course, has been up there, too, but 
my opinion of Mitt Romney is, is if he didn't excite the electorate during the uh, primary process, he's probably not a big help to John McCain. What do you think? Well, I agree, and I, you're absolutely right. And I think, personally, uh, evangelicals will just be turned off, um, you know, because of his Mormon faith. And, you know, he's got business experience, but, um, you know, we need a conservative evangelical. I think my best choice is Tancredo. He's very strong on the border. Unfortunately, him and John McCain probably don't agree on the border as much as I would like them to. But, you know, I think it's important that we get a true pro-life conservative in there to rally the troops for this election. I absolutely agree with you, because, you know, Christian conservatives, ladies and gentlemen, often are the uh, sort of the... um worker bees of the party. And you find them walking neighborhoods, you find them working the polls, you find them uh, doing a lot of things that candidates need to bring excitement. And uh, they are not excited right now. That's a fact. And so the VP pick, I think it's more important than the Wall Street Journal thinks it is. I don't know that they necessarily understand evangelicals. Let's go now to Fort Worth and speak with Terry. Hi, Terry. Thanks for calling in. Looks like uh, Terry's line just went away. Well, ladies and gentlemen, of course, there's not a whole lot we can do about whether or not Hillary Clinton uh, seeks the nomination and seeks a voice at the convention, gives up her delegates. And there's certainly not a lot we can do either to uh, decide who the vice presidential pick of John McCain will be or who it will not be. I just hope that he is uh, listening enough to understand how important the Christian vote is, the evangelical vote is. Uh, Karl Rove also in the same editorial page today in the Wall Street Journal said that it really is important for him to find ways to reach out and appeal to the Christian vote, to the evangelical vote. That's something that Karl Rove and George Bush knew how to do. Uh, A lot of us, though, were a little disappointed in what really played out uh, during his eight years. But in a lot of ways, George W. Bush uh, did uh, have a very pro-life, pro-family term of office. And uh, for that, I suppose we can be grateful. Our economy uh, is sinking a little bit right now, and uh, we're wondering about spending and a few other things, but I guess those subjects are subjects for another day, because next up, we are going to speak with Kimberly Cash-Tate, and we're going to ask her how blacks and whites, who are very excited about a black president or a black candidate, how should they order their Christian faith and their excitement over a black candidate? What do you do, and how do you make those decisions? We'll talk about that next on Jerry Johnson Live. I've got a full-time job and a family, and I'm also getting a master's degree at Criswell College. The new Mac at Night program offers evening block courses for a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. It's so convenient and fits my busy lifestyle as a mom and a professional. Mac at Night offers licensure and non-licensure programs so you can gain ministry knowledge and even prepare for a doctorate. Mac at Night professors are at the top of the Christian counseling field, and Criswell College is partnered with a number of ministries, so you'll get experience and great contacts. My friends and family are so excited to see me back in school with the Mac at Night program at Criswell College. A Master of Arts in Counseling has never been so convenient. Come on, join me for Mac at Night. For more details, call 800-899-0012 or visit chriswell.edu. Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. 
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I know that I don't look like the Americans who've previously spoken in this great city. Barack Obama brought up his race in Berlin, and then when he got back from his European trip, uh, he brought it up again. In fact, recently on the campaign trail, we played this bite several times. Uh, Barack Obama said the GOP would try to scare voters by telling them he doesn't look like past presidents featured on our currency. So, so nobody really thinks that 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 Bush or McCain have a a real answer for the challenges we face. So what they're going to try to do is make you scared of me. You know, he oh, he's not patriotic enough. He's got a funny name. He, you know, he doesn't look like all those other presidents on those dollar bills, you know? Well, the race card has been played, and we've been debating about who's been playing it. But today we're going to talk about really uh, wise voting for the Christian, and especially for the Christian African American. With us to do this is Kimberly Cash Tate. She is an author, and she is an attorney. She's the founder and president of Colored in Christ International, which is a nonprofit ministry devoted to equipping and encouraging believers to color themselves in Christ. She's written a book entitled More Christian Than African American, One Woman's Journey to Her True Spiritual Self. And she's got articles in Today's Christian Woman, and she's been a guest on Daystar Television. Kim, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Penna. Uh, it's a blessing to be here. I understand that you lived in Dallas for a time. I did. I lived in Dallas for two and a half years, from 2000 until 2002, and those were two of the best years of my life, I think. Well, that's good. It's hot here right now, so this may not be the best time to think of uh, visiting your old friends here. But, Kim, this is a very important issue, and I have to say that I've been very surprised, uh, especially during the primary process, of the number of calls we got of listeners to this program who are strong Christians, strong believers, Mm -hmm. very excited about the Obama candidacy, which you can understand. And even though they admittedly were pro-life and pro-family, they were voting for Barack Obama, and I don't know if they've many of them have changed their minds or just gone away from listening, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not hearing as much of that now. But we need to talk about this, how a um, you know an excited person who loves the advances that have been made, uh, how do they react to this particular situation that we're in right now? Well, I've heard a lot of the excitement myself. Of course, I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends are supporting Obama, who are black and Christian. And the, the excitement, though, uh, to me, is it, it must be tempered because we must look at all things through the lens of Christ. And so on one hand, we're thankful to God that he's gotten this country to the point where people can actually get behind an individual who is black, who's running for president. However, in Christ, we're not just looking at the flesh. We're not judging according to the color of one's skin. We're looking at where this person stands and what agenda they are planning to bring forth for the country, and we evaluate that in the light of God's Word. And that's just, that's just who we are as believers. We don't walk according to anything other than what the Lord has revealed through His Word that should govern our thoughts and our actions. When you look at the candidacy of Barack Obama, because I think this is confusing for some people, it's become less confusing 
to many after the controversy over Jeremiah Wright. But mm-hmm. when you look at Barack Obama, a candidate who's always said that he was a born-again Christian and has articulated a relationship with Jesus Christ, how do you look at him as a, um acceptable candidate for a Christian? Uh, I don't know, by the way, whether I've heard him say he's a born-again Christian. I've heard him say he's a devout Christian. But again, I'm not looking at what he professes to be, but rather where he stands. So I look at when he says that his agenda, when he comes into office, he said he's going to do two things. He said that he will, one, enact the Freedom of Choice Act. And that act was put into place after the Supreme Court banned partial birth abortion. He regretted that decision. And uh, again, for your listeners, partial birth abortion is when they partially deliver a late-term baby suck the brains out, and they kill that baby. He regretted that decision that banned that procedure. Oh, Obama regretted it. Obama right. regretted that. And so the bill was um, enacted to counter that Supreme Court decision, the Freedom of Choice Act. It wasn't enacted, but it was uh, proposed, proposed, right? Yeah. Thank you. And he said that he would see that that is enacted if he is elected. And that would then um, do away with that ban. It would allow... Uh, procedures that have been put in place in various states that put restrictions on abortion, it would override those. He said that is his plan, and his other plan is to overturn the Defense of Marriage Act. So when I, and those are just two things. I've been listening very carefully to what he is saying that he plans to do. And mind you, these things are not broadcast in the mainstream media. They're they're not focused on these issues right now. So um, the discerning Christian has to go online, has to read his interviews with different magazines, and find out exactly where he stands. And when I talk to people about these things, they have no idea. They don't know that he has said these things and that these are his plans because they're not being broadcast in the mainstream media. My guest is former litigator and author Kimberly Cash Tate, and uh, we're talking about race and presidential politics. Kim, why do you think uh, for these Christians that I've been talking about that have called in or others that you've talked to, why is it so hard for them to place their faith in what they know to be biblically correct and true above their race? Penna, it's very difficult, I believe, for black Americans, and, and I was there. That is that is a strong identity. When you think about the history of this country and the fact that we were brought over here to America, given that identity as a black person, we weren't told, well, you'll be from this tribe or you're from this country, you're just black. And so as one, we were thrown into that oppression. As one, we fought that oppression. And as one, we have continued the struggle through today for that equality. And so when that identity is so strong, it's hard then when you come to know the Lord to overthrow it. Now, the Lord is powerful, and he redeems us from that. He lifts us from that earthly identity and gives us an identity in Christ, which is higher. It's a blessed identity. It's eternal. But unless our minds are renewed as as to the fact that the old has passed away and the new has come, and that includes a new identity, then we're just not aware of that inner change, that miraculous change that has taken place in our hearts that needs to be walked out through our minds being renewed. And until that happens, we stay in that former identity. And um, so that is what we're seeing now played out before us this election season, that we're, we're, we're in that identity of blackness, 
it's a strong one, and we get excited that we see Obama, and it's hard to put all that aside and say, I'm going to simply look at the Word of God. I'm going to pray to God to find out what is his will, how would he have me to vote, what are the issues, what is the kingdom agenda. You know, we talked earlier in the program about how a lot of Christians aren't all that excited about John McCain for president. And in a sense, I think um, you've got a lot of black Christians who maybe are going to vote for McCain, or at least they're leaning that way because they're thinking the way you're thinking, but they're not all that excited about it because they've got that this pull mm-hmm. in the other direction. Uh, and so in a sense, in this whole election season, there is sort of a lack of excitement mm-hmm. over candidates, even though we've seen the hype over Obama. Well, I want to go to the church now, because um, it's it's a fact, even though a lot of people have tried to change this, that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. Yes. And so you do have a lot of black churches. You've got pastors with an opportunity to help the members of their congregation uh, in their election decisions with moral and biblical values. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm afraid that some of them are actually giving wrong advice. Do you think so? Well, you know, I hate to speak generally, but I know that, you know, this is the case every election season in terms of black people are overwhelmingly democratic. So um, the fact that Obama is the democratic candidate just even heightens that excitement. And so I don't know, I I can tell you this, Penna, I have been very encouraged and excited this season because I have seen black pastors and others speaking out on Christian radio in particular about this notion of being more Christian than African American. I have never heard it before. I remember the last election season I was praying that God would raise the voices of those who would elevate his word above race and culture. And that's what I'm seeing this season. So while some of the same, uh, the same agendas may be going on in the churches and who they're supporting, I have been encouraged by the voices that I've heard in the last few months who are speaking out in, in uplifting the word of God and lifting Christ above all. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that encouragement. And um, have you received, though, any kinds of reactions to your book and to your position on this? I have, Penna. This book actually was published in 1999. We're coming out with a revised and updated version in January. Which is a very Uh, timely thing to happen. But it's amazing how, even though it was written so long ago, it it seems to be just for this time. And when it first came out, yes, I did receive negative feedback, primarily because I was sent out on a book tour to the secular uh, black audience. And so those who were not believers could not understand the message because, of course, it's foolishness to those who are in the world. So to them, you know, some of them Christianity is a white man's religion. Or uh, one person said, I was born black. I became Christian along the way. So whatever was first in time, that blackness takes precedence. But the, the flip side was I got a lot of positive feedback from believers who read the book and said their eyes were opened. Yes, they hadn't realized that they had been more black than Christian and their, their lives were changed because of reading the book. Got a lot of positive feedback from white Christians as well. So um, now that we are nine years later mm-hmm. and, and dealing with this season, um, the message is even more timely, and it's, it's really a blessing to be able to engage in this discussion and bring it to bear on this important season that we're in. More with Kimberly Cash-Tate right after this.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. With one more vacancy on the court, we could be looking at a majority hostile to a woman's fundamental right to choose for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that is what is at stake in this election. I think that's the same speech to Planned Parenthood that you were referring to, um, Kim, and Kimberly Cash-Tate is with me, Mm -hmm. uh, when he also promised that one of his first actions as president would be to uh, push and introduce the Freedom of Choice Act, which would really wipe out all the restrictions on abortion that we've worked so hard to pass. Yes. So there's a lot at stake in the election, and my guest again is Kimberly Cash-Tate, and she's coming out with a new version of her book, uh, which sounds like uh, something we all need to really read and get a hold of. It's more Christian than African-American. And uh, Kim, um, I want to go to another cut and another subject here that's sort of uh, related, and this is important, I think, for the black community and might mean that Barack Obama... um, may or may not uh, be helpful in certain areas. But first, uh, I want to go to this clip. Um, it's whispered. It's hard to hear. Uh, but this is uh, Jesse Jackson, and I think we all remember this one. Been, uh, that was, uh, the mic was open, and Jesse Jackson didn't know it at the Fox studio, and he was telling another guest he was disappointed with Barack Obama's speech on black fathers. The speech on black fathers, which took place on Father's Day at a large black uh, church in Chicago, was a good speech. And uh, this is one good message. Uh, But some of the policies that he advocates sort of go against this. But let's hear a clip from it. Of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are most dependent on the family. The family is that most important foundation. And... We are called to recognize and honor how critical every father is to that foundation. They are teachers and coaches, they're mentors and they're role models. They are examples of success and the men who constantly push us towards success. But if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that too many fathers are also missing. Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL, missing from too many lives and too many homes. They've abandoned their responsibilities. They're acting like boys instead of men. And the foundations of our family have suffered because of it. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. Kim, uh, what he says there makes common sense, doesn't it? Yes, it does, and I, I was glad to hear that he spoke on that issue. I do find it interesting. Uh, one other thing he said during that speech was that fatherhood doesn't end at conception, huh. which spoke volumes to me <laughs> <laughs> regarding where he stands with abortion. And so, in other words, he was saying fatherhood begins at conception, and in order for fatherhood to begin there, there must be a life that also begins at conception. So I thought that his choice of words was very interesting. Of course, he also said that in another speech, he wouldn't want his daughters punished with a pregnancy. Yes, he did. Okay, why do you think that uh, the older black leaders like Jesse Jackson are not quite with it, <laughs> uh, with uh, Barack Obama? Why uh, would Jesse Jackson sort of convey his feelings, even though he didn't mean to? be public with it, 
about him. Why doesn't he like a speech like that that encourages black fathers to be responsible? Well, you know, there are a lot of opinions out there, and I don't claim to be one who knows Jesse Jackson's mind. I, for one, can't understand what the problem would be. I think a lot of times, um, you know, as he said, that, he, that Barack Obama was talking down to black people. I, I don't know why that was the case in Jesse Jackson's mind. I know a lot of times we don't like for for that to get out into the mainstream, that type of discussion. We don't want to be seen as uh, doing something negative uh, as opposed to the white people or, you know, we don't like those mm-hmm. comparisons out there. We want to sort of keep our own discussions within our own community. And so I don't think they like the fact that that speech was broadcast and it, and it cast a negative light on black fathers. But he was speaking to a black audience, and I think the message needed to be said, and I supported him in, in lifting up black the role of black fathers because it is an important role. Let's open up the phones, 800-881-9270. We'd love our African-American listeners to call in. Is it race or faith in this election? Questions or comments for Kimberly Cash-Tate? And you don't have to be black to call in, but um, we're hoping that some of you do because we'd love to hear from you. Again, the number is 800-881-9270. And um, I'm wondering, there's a big piece coming out in... um, the New York Times Magazine this weekend, Is Obama the End of Black Politics? And part of black politics, Kim, has been victimhood uh-huh. over past generations. And I'm wondering if there's sort of a threat to that motivator that some of the um, Jesse Jacksons of the world are kind of worried about with Obama. Because in a sense, if the fatherhood message came through, mm-hmm. if you had a, a um, reduction in single motherhood in the black community, I mean, some of the problems that are there would take care of themselves. And, you know, in a sense, perhaps it would it would just uh, undercut their message. And if Obama becomes president, that argument goes away. You can't really claim to be the victim when a black person is leader of the free world. But yeah. <laughs> that, that victimhood argument never held water, because on one hand, if you say that you are a reverend and you believe in God, and, 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 and so if, you, if that is who you are, then you're not a victim anyway. And so I, I've never understood the point in, uh, well, I, I do understand it. I know that there is uh, <laughs> a lot of that goes into that agenda, but I know that in Christ, I'm not a victim. I'm, I've been seated in heavenly places. And so I've never bought into that victimhood argument. And I think a lot of people who know who they are in Christ don't buy into that victimhood argument. It's an old argument. And, and I think it is seeing its waning days now, even as we speak in this election season. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, we are taking your calls, 800-881-9270. My guest is Kimberly Cash-Tate. Let's go to Linda in Grand Prairie. Linda, thanks for calling in. Hello, Linda, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead. Um, as a Christian, and I'm not African-American, but I've uh, never, I mean, in my whole life, ever had any anything but love i loved from the time i met i lived in oakland california we moved in it was a black neighborhood and uh there are a lot of people that have loved the blacks just as the whites or the chinese or anybody else and um i know there's been animosity but there have been white slaves there's still slavery everywhere and they were done wrong but i think the lord has used it to their good to have them in a 
a land of freedom and uh, food and, uh, you know, a lot of white people send money to help the little starving black children and do what they can, but we never hear any of that. And in my family, a black man stabbed my daddy in the back, but there was never one word about race or hate to this day. My dad's never mentioned again. He went and got sewed up and came home for the afternoon, went back to work the next day. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Kim, do you have a response? Well, I think that... There was a lot there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know she was saying that there's been um, slavery all over the world, and and that is true. There's been slavery since the early times in the Bible. What was different about slavery in America was that it wasn't based on the spoils of war or on uh, an economic situation. It was purely based on race. And so that was the particular problem in America, that we had slavery that was based on the color of one skin, that, that people were kidnapped from one country, brought to another. And, and so for hundreds of years, we have dealt with what was essentially, um, you know, everything is spiritual. And so that was the enemy. We know, those of us who know the Lord know that we have an enemy, and that was the enemy trying to kill a race of people and using another race to do it, and he's no respecter of persons. He would have enjoyed all the people of the white race spending an eternity with him. <laughs> and so um, we know that it, it, there was a spiritual cause for it all, but Christ came that he might destroy the works of the devil. So we have to look at all of this through the eyes of Christ and, and understand that, yes, God always brings good from evil. We don't um, then condone the evil but once we know Christ, we do walk in love and forgiveness and understand that he can bring good out of any evil. All right, let's go back to the phones. Renee is waiting in Dallas. Renee, thanks for calling in. Thank you for having me, ma'am. I'd just like to say most often, in my opinion, I think that a lot of black people are voting race for the simple reason a lot of white folks are voting the same way. They're not voting for Obama for the simple reason that he is black. And we're ha- who's going to support him if the black community does not? And quite frankly, I don't think that either party represents uh, uh, the standards of God. So then I'm That's praying true. that we search our hearts and vote accordingly. In that, I mean, vote the way God would vote. And how do you think God would vote? I, well, that I how are you? Now, let's just say, how are you going to vote? Well, I have yet to make that determination. Um, while I don't agree with um, Obama's stance on oh, um, abortion, God has no. Ju- God gives us all free to free to choose. A free to and choose abortion. A choose to do whatever we choose to do, whether it be right or wrong. God is. God doesn't push Himself on us. Rightfully, in my mind, who wouldn't choose God over? But you still don't know who you're going to vote for. Kim, can you stick with us another segment? Sure. All right, Renee, thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. And uh, this is what we're dealing with. And it's really a decision for some folks, race over faith, faith over race. We're going to talk more about it right after this.
Criswell College is proud to present the new Mac at Night program. It's a Master of Arts in Counseling degree obtained by attending evening block classes. There are licensure and non-licensure options depending on your career goals. Mac at Night features some of the best professors in the field of Christian counseling, and all courses are biblically based. Expand your ministry or prepare for a doctorate. Criswell College makes it simple and convenient. All Mac at Night courses are scheduled with the working professional in mind. If you've got a full-time job, a busy lifestyle, or even raising a family, you're perfect for Mac at Night. Get your Master of Arts in Counseling at Criswell College with Mac at Night. Call 800-899-0012 or go to criswell.edu. That's 800-899-0012 or criswell.edu. Invest in God's work and yourself through this convenient program through the Criswell College. It's Mac at Night. See criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. With one more vacancy on the court, we could be looking at a majority hostile to a woman's fundamental right to choose for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that is what is at stake in this election. Barack Obama speaking to Planned Parenthood about a year ago, and he also talked about the Freedom of Choice Act, of which he is a co-sponsor. Uh, and this is aimed at overturning the ban on partial birth abortion and also other pro-life laws nationwide. It would make abortion a federal right, and it would keep abortion legal. Even if Roe versus Wade is overturned someday, uh, that's very interesting. Also, at the convention in Denver, Barack Obama's wife, Michelle, is scheduled to speak during that week uh, at a gathering of Emily's List, which is an organization that is dedicated to electing pro-choice, that's pro-abortion, Democratic women, and uh, also Senator Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi will uh, speak with them. (laughs) So uh, that's where it is, although I do understand, uh, and Kimberly Cash-Tate is with me, Kim, that the Democrats may have a fight over abortion language in their platform because we've got some uh, some evangelicals who, um, actually we interviewed one of them last week, Tony Campolo, who are saying we need an abortion reduction plank in the Democrat platform. I guess that's a that's a little bit of progress, isn't it? Uh, n- no, I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe it's progress <laughs> enough. And what's interesting in, in the, for the black community, and this is another thing, Penna, that I don't think has gotten nearly the coverage that it should and certainly hasn't gotten any time from Obama in terms of his attention is that in the black community we are suffering like no other community when it comes to abortion that Planned Parenthood is is located primarily in urban communities the rate of abortion in the black community is at greater than 60 percent so we are killing two-thirds of our babies and no one is Well, people are crying out, but not enough people are being heard. So we have a situation where we found out this spring that Planned Parenthood is engaging in racist acts, accepting money from uh, people who are donating to, to, said they were donating to kill black babies. Planned Parenthood said, we'll gladly take your money. And, And no one, there was no outcry about the racism of Planned Parenthood because they are deep, deep, deep in the Democratic Party and and organizations like Emily's List who support them. So we have genocide going on in our community because of abortion. Barack Obama won't speak to it. And and because we are so tied to 
that's the problem with being tied to a political party. That's one thing I agree with the last caller. I am not tied to either party. I'm an independent, and um, she was right. Neither party is aligned biblically, but we look at which party is, um, where, where does each stand when it comes to the Bible. This issue, like no other, the issue of life, which God speaks to from Genesis to Revelation, which he spoke to in the Ten Commandments. You find out the heart of God by what he puts emphasis on. Mm -hmm. It was this issue that he said, if you sacrifice your sons and daughters, and they were killing their sons and daughters, he said, you're bringing innocent blood on the land, and I'm going to bring judgment as a result. So, yes, we have a right to choose. We're free to choose, but that's not without consequence. That's the point. We're free to choose hell, but yes. that's, that's, our, that's the consequence we'll receive. So, yes, we have a right to choose, but we have to understand that that right to choose will bring judgment upon a nation. The voice of, uh, really a prophetic voice of common sense. Uh, Kim, thank you so much, and I uh, want to take a couple more calls here before the end of the program. Rebecca is in, uh, I believe... Lancaster, Texas. Rebecca, thank you for waiting. Hi, thank you. Um, I was calling because I'm a Hispanic teacher in a com- almost all-black school, and never before until this year have I experienced such racism against people who weren't black. Like, I had second graders. Because of Obama being president, like, they would all of a sudden speak out, I don't like you because you're a little white girl, or I can't stand this teacher because she's not black. You mean his candidacy is giving them sort of uh, courage to be racist? Yes, that's how I felt in the classroom. And so, and all these kids were good Christians, so I went to a huge black church in the area to hear maybe if they were preaching about Obama being the next president. And I was very disappointed because he he wouldn't say who he would vote for, but he would make little, he would say, well, it's just your choice, like both of them aren't um, Christian, but he would never take a stand on, this guy is for abortion, this guy is for gay marriage. And I was, like, really disappointed because this man is an amazing Christian, and I just wondered why some black people in the community, like, are afraid not to vote for Obama, because Obama's not all black. He's half white, too. Yeah, that's true, too. Kim, what do you think? Well, I don't know that people are afraid not to vote for Obama because you can go into the booth. Right. You get to do whatever, whatever you want. You want. Um, I think people might be afraid of speaking out <laughs> when they're around other uh, blacks by, you know, and saying that they are not supporting Obama because there's such an excitement and enthusiasm. But regarding the children, of course, you know, that, that's very sad for, for any child to behave that way. And it's really incumbent upon us as parents to to teach our children proper Christian behavior, but also to teach our children that we ought not to be governed by the flesh. Once again, that we as Christians, we, are, we don't judge according to the flesh. We judge the heart, and we look at the heart, and we are new creatures. That is part of who we used to be, looking at the flesh. So all those issues, I think, um, they go back to the home and the type of training that that we ought to be giving our Mm -hmm. children. One more quick question from Sarah in Red Oaks. Hi, Sarah. Hi. I just wanted to tell you, I'm 56 years old, and my candidate would be one that stands for moral value. It's very important because I'm a grandparent, and I have granddaughters. 
Mm-hmm. And this is a critical election for me. And I don't care if their skin is purple. It makes no difference to me. But what they stand for does. Yes, it does. That's your message, isn't it, Kim? That is the message. I thought it was interesting, the clip you played earlier where uh, Senator Obama said they're going to try to make you scared of me, referring to the color of his skin. Actually, the people that I've heard say that he's scary, we're talking about where he stands on the issue. Absolutely. Kimberly Cash-Tates, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. And uh, we'll look forward to the new version of your book, More Christian Than African American. And uh, we just appreciate you. Thank you so much, Penna. Glad to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, going back to the scriptures that Kim was referring to in Second Corinthians, it says, uh, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. We have become new, and uh, we can base our decisions, even in the voting booth, on that newness. And then in Ephesians, it says, uh, In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on a new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And also in Colossians, there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.